This is the Finimize Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Donmez. So I, I think the exciting part is you've got large global at the core active managers coming to market and they're committed to the ETF market, just like Morgan Stanley Investment Management and all the brands uh, we talked about. I think that's the exciting part. So rather than, you know, try and put my finger on, you know, what's next, you know, even, you know, digital investing, um, right? That's ebbed and flowed and I'm not predicting that it's going to continue to grow. Uh, but those are areas we know, you know, investors uh, have looked at. In this episode, I'm joined by Anthony Rockty, Global Head of ETFs at Morgan Stanley Investment Management. He brings over 20 years of experience in the ETF space. In the conversation, we discuss Morgan Stanley's new ETF platform and some of their new products, why actively managed ETFs are a huge opportunity, and what's next for the ETF industry. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay, Anthony, thank you so much for for joining me on the podcast. I just wanted to start the episode with you running me through your personal background, actually, because I know you've had an amazing career. Yeah, thank you. And good to see you, Eddie. Um, So I joined Morgan Stanley uh, just over a year ago, March of 22. Prior to that, I spent uh, over 20 years focused exclusively on uh, the ETF industry. Uh, so I was lucky enough and fortunate to have been one of the initial hires uh, on the iShare project at then Barclays Global Investors. Um, I helped build and lead that business. I was one of the initial 12 hires and was there for the first quarter trillion at iShares. And it was just a great opportunity. Um, I also co-led the Spider ETF business for a number of years here in Boston, uh, where I am today. Uh, work closely with Jim Ross, who I know helped pioneer the ETF industry and the, and the SPY way back in the early 90s. So uh, that was a great experience. And then um, I, I guess I have a fascination with startups and big companies. And I was the initial hire at Fidelity, where I spent a combined 12 years building and leading um, their ETF initiative and served as president of Selecco, which oversaw uh, over 80 billion in sector mutual funds, and also built their initial ETF capabilities. So the opportunity to come uh, to Morgan Stanley uh, and, and help launch their ETF initiative uh, was exciting. And, and post acquisition of Eaton Vance over three years ago, all these great brands, certainly from Morgan Stanley, Eaton Vance to Parametric to Calvert on the ESG front. And really providing an ETF exposure on these multiple brands was a great opportunity. Brilliant. And can you tell me a little bit more about the Morgan Stanley ETF platform? Because you just launched the the platform with, I think, six new ETFs. So can you walk me through the initial thinking behind that product set um, and the launch of that, that platform? Yeah, so uh, we are in the initial phases of building out a broad global ETF platform. Dan Simkowitz, who runs Morgan Stanley Investment Management, uh, released a memo shortly after I joined. We began to build the ETF team, and he was very clear uh, our focus is multi-brand, multi-jurisdiction, and certainly multi-asset class. Uh, Equity fixed here in the U.S., down the road in Europe, and we're excited about that longer term. Um, and, and certainly across those brands I mentioned earlier, if you look post-transaction of Eaton Vance, 
you've got a great alpha engine in Morgan Stanley Investment Management, certainly Eaton Vance on the equity and fixed side. You've got a customization engine on the SMA front with Parametric, which is well known here in the U.S. And then Calvert, um, you know, 40 years of history and a pioneer in the ESG space. So you bring all these great brands, both here in the U.S. and overseas. And effectively, you know, our mission uh, is not to launch ETFs versus mutual funds because uh, we think it's providing additional choice. We think ETFs uh, alongside mutual funds, alongside SMAs, uh, and even a $200 billion alternatives business globally uh, really help provide choice for clients. So if you work backwards from the client, Eddie, we started uh, looking at the data and it was clear we need the ETF wrapper uh, to complement you know, all these great investment capabilities. And what types of ETFs are you focused on predominantly and what's to come in the future? Yeah, our first set uh, certainly was Calvert. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Calvert's a pioneer in ESG investing. Uh, they've been doing it over 40 years, dating back to the apartheid era in the, in the 80s. Uh, they launched one of the industry's first mutual funds. Um, and it was clear there was demand from clients. There was demand from our distribution teams that if we bring ETFs, uh, ESG ETFs and, and, and Calvert would, would make a great uh, first step, certainly uh, in the U.S. So we launched a large cap, a mid cap, an international and a thematic diversity, equity and inclusion uh, ETF. Those four are passive. And then we launched two fully transparent active ETFs from Calvert. The Calvert Select, which is primarily large domestic uh, exposures in terms of the constituents, and then the Calvert Ultra Short, uh, which you know at one point two weeks ago had you know almost a six percent yield uh, and has traded quite well out of the gate. So two active, four passive. I think longer term, we're primarily focused on active investment management on a go forward basis. We'll certainly continue to look at passive and systematic exposures. Um, but when you look at our heritage and what we do within Morgan Stanley Investment Management and the four brands I mentioned, uh, it, it is really an active managed organization. Yeah, that's brilliant. I just want to zoom out a second because our audience is predominantly retail investors. And I just want you as the absolute expert to to zoom out and say, how big is this ETF market and why are they so attractive as an investment product? Let me give other projections in the industry. These aren't mine. Uh, Brown Brothers uh, just released a survey. Um, they had over 350 investors globally. They estimate the global ETF market by 2033 to be 30 trillion globally. Pretty aggressive number from Brown Brothers. Uh, when we look at Ceruli, they estimate the US ETF market by the end of this decade to be at about 15 trillion. So again, um, those are you know, third party predictions, but what we know is ETFs over the past decade have grown at a 15%, 16% actually compounded annual growth rate. And um, as I said earlier, it's not an either or, it's an and, it's mutual funds, SMAs alongside ETFs, but we know certainly in the US, the more advisory based the financial advisor or the more fee-based, the more likely they are to wrap ETFs alongside other vehicles. Um, so we think those projections, while aggressive, um, 
and certainly interesting uh, is a trend that will continue uh, to, to see in the market. We hear that loud and clear, you know, from our clients. Yeah, definitely. Um, but in terms of the actual percentage of overall kind of, uh, let's say, fixed income markets or equity markets, e- the ETF market is actually quite small, isn't it? It, it, it is and it's growing. Uh, but when you look, you know, here in the, in the US, it's about a $7 trillion market at the end of the first quarter, uh, 23. Um, when you look at you know the traditional mutual fund market, you know that's 17 or 18 trillion. So no question about it, smaller. But when you look at the velocity of growth, ETFs have seen 46 consecutive months of net inflows through a very difficult market in full year 22. Um, I think the other trend that's noteworthy, uh, and there's some reasons for this, and we can spend some time on it, Eddie, is active management, and that's really where we're centered in the Morgan Stanley ETF platform. In full year 22, and these are just US statistics, I know your audience is global, but for the US market, uh, it, the, about 5% of the $7 trillion market sits in active management, mostly fully transparent. Uh, no, no, and, and, and prim- over half of that in uh, the fixed income category. Yet it was almost 15% of the flows in full year 22. If we look in the first quarter of 23, and this is real-time data, the the flow is somewhere between 30 and 35% of all ETF flows in the US in the first quarter of 23 have gone into active ETFs. And what's interesting about that, you mentioned fixed income, Eddie, is uh, a lot of those flows are going to active transparent fixed income on the shorter end of uh, the the duration front. So I, I think active, is an accelerant. And, you know, I go back to the Brown Brothers survey that just came out, you know, early in the first quarter of 23. It was interesting, 92% of the respondents to their survey actually bought an active ETF in the last 12 months. Uh, That's very different than even five years ago here in the U.S. Active ETFs were relatively new. I think the other trend that's, or the other change that's really helping fuel this trend is a regulatory shift uh, in the U.S. In 2019, the SEC passed what's known as Rule 6C11, or the ETF rule, and that really enabled traditional active managers uh, to get to market faster. And so we've seen a lot of other organizations that look similar to Morgan Stanley Investment Management enter the space, and, and many of them are centered on traditional transparent active management. Yeah, that, that's so interesting. How surprised were you looking at last year? Because we had such a volatile year, right? The 60-40 portfolio had its worst year since 1930, I think. There was a huge amount of volatility, yet investors were still you know, really seeking out particularly fixed income ETFs. How did the market volatility of last year play into ETF flows and the market conditions? You know, having been in the space over 23 years, you know, you go back to the credit crisis, uh, you go back to the pandemic, you go to a really difficult market in full year 22. Um, you know, those three periods all saw ETFs uh, actually used as price discovery vehicles. We saw it during the pandemic. We saw it in 08. And in, in some ways, these difficult markets really help validate the on-exchange nature of, of these exposures. Uh, and certainly we saw inv- uh, investors voted 
certainly on the on the shorter duration front. Uh, they they also voted with downside protection ETFs in the U.S. in full year 22. And we saw a lot of inflows in whether it's buffer ETFs or downside protection uh, ETFs. And, and, and so, again, that's really where I've seen innovation over the last two decades in the ETF space is in these difficult markets. Uh, and, and so I think 22 was no different. Um, but what's noteworthy is the, the, the global ETF market in full year 22, one of the worst markets in the last decade, saw over 840 billion in net inflows, number two all time to obviously the year before. So I think that's really noteworthy that investors are using ETFs both in up markets uh, and certainly in down markets as well. Yeah, we. I mean, we can echo that kind of sentiment um, from our retail investor survey that we do. And actually, at the start, even in Q4 of last year, they were looking to ETFs as almost a safe haven. You know, the SPY ETF, and obviously we can differentiate between, the, of course, the, the ETFs, but they were moving out of, let's say, speculative kind of names and actually seeking safety in those ETFs. Um, so that was that was very, very interesting. This year, we've obviously seen huge fixed income volatility. We've seen a regional banking crisis, if if it's fair um, to say that. Definitely, I think it's fair to say a regional banking crisis. We've seen, um, we obviously have a very attractive yields on offer on the short end uh, of the curve. How, what trends have you seen um, in terms of ETF flows and demands um, th- through this year, maybe the, the, the first quarter? Again, I, I go back to active. Um, well over 30% of the net flows in the U.S. came into active managed strategies, and that's data from Vetify. I also saw some data from Bloomberg. So anywhere between 30 and 35% uh, of the category, so active flows. The majority of that was um, in shorter duration fixed income and active transparent. And so I think that that's one noteworthy trend. Uh, I, I do think fixed income is really also noteworthy. You know, I mentioned active, um, but we know investors are using various parts of the curve on the fixed income front. And, you know, that, that you know, is a trend, you know, we expect uh, will continue, you know, over time. Yeah, interesting. Um, transitioning maybe to um, a certain part uh, or d- different type of ETF, which are factor-based ETFs. For our audience, could you maybe run through some factors, uh, what that actually means, um, and what factor-based ETFs that uh, are either seeing flows so far this year, or you would expect to attract some flows? Um, because obviously, there's a huge debate, for example, around growth versus value, for example. Um, so could you shed some light on factor ETFs? Yeah. And again, I'm probably not the best person, Eddie, to talk about the future. In, in what the market's going to do. I think my, my role is really to create a vehicle and the exposure, um, but whether it's growth, value, momentum, I mean, the, the, you know, these are three of the factors that, you know, in, investors look to. I, I think the bottom line though is, you know, with the broad ETF universe available, investors can express a view. They can obviously over and underweight a portfolio. Uh, we, we certainly saw growth uh, run hard, you know, through early 22. It's not, you know, you know, my my view to try and predict 
where the market's going to uh, go, but we certainly uh, see it in the flow data, you know, that investors have moved away, um, you know, in the past, you know, 12 months from, you know, the, the growth part of the market. And, and we do hear more investors looking at things they can control, like dividends. Um, you know, there's, we, we certainly know when you look at the data, there's investors expressing a view uh, in, in value based ETFs. The one thing I would say specifically about the benefits of ETFs is this is more of a general comment, Eddie. It's not specific to, you know, your factor question, you know, but advisors have told us clearly they want choice and they want to have the ability to control the outcome for their clients. And as I mentioned here in the U.S., more advisors are wrapping ETFs and they're also controlling things like capital gain distributions and taxes and lower fees. I mean, those are things the advisor can control, right? The fee to the end client, also the tax experience. And, and, and we've heard loud and clear that, you know, the, the tax efficiency afforded, you know, to investors through an ETF wrapper because it's in kind um, is, is much more advantageous than, than some other vehicles out there. You know, certainly SMAs, you know, are much more tax efficient, but, but we continue to hear, um, you know, tax efficient and, you know, controlling the pricing is important for FAs. Absolutely. And um, you've, so you've launched ETFs in, in the US, um, Europe's to come in 2024. So what can you tell us about your European expansion in the future? Um, why is it an attractive market for, for Morgan Stanley? Look, I, I, I think it's an attractive market uh, for a number of reasons that I just went through in the US, right? You know, tax efficient, tradable on exchange, you can express a view in a very cost-efficient wrapper. All the benefits, obviously, in Europe are, are, are the same. I think the one unique trend in Europe is ESG, specifically. 65% of all flows in full year 22 in Europe were in ESG, 65% of the ETF flows were in ESG. 20% of the ETF market, or almost 20% of the entire European ETF market, is in ESG exposures. And, and so we think that's a unique area. Again, very early, um, we're obviously primarily focused uh, in full year 23 on our US launch and, you know, from Calvert and, you know, potentially other active ETFs uh, that, that we would like to launch here in the US. Um, but 24 and beyond, we're, we're certainly looking at Europe. But I think ESG, you know, really jumps out given you know, in, investors are, are really voting, you know, with their, uh, you know, with their dollars or their euros, I should say. Yeah, with their euros. Yeah, no, ESG is definitely a, is a hot topic and will continue to be a hot topic, obviously, as we transition to 2030 and, and 2050. Um, in terms of go, looking forward now, so you were right, you were there right at the start to kind of 2008 2009 with iShares or um there or thereabouts if we were to look forward now for the next 5 10 maybe 20 years where is the ETF market and ETF product going um what innovations do you see on the horizon do we, you know obviously we said the market's going to grow tremendously um what are your kind of key things that you're excited about or you think we're going to see in the next uh, kind of couple of years 
Yeah, let, let, me, let me go kind of past, present, and future to answer that question. If, if you go way back, um, you know, I, I was on the team that launched AGG, you know, the first fixed income ETF in the market, you know, at, at, at iShares. And that was cutting edge. At the time, this equity actually owned underlying bonds. And who, who would have thought? And that was, that was a cutting edge innovation you know, dating back, you know, almost two decades. Uh, if we look at GLD at State Street Global Advisors, you know, I saw that ETF grow from about a billion to over 75 billion, you know, during the credit crisis, right? And this idea that you had physically backed metal in a grant or trust structure, um, that was very innovative. Um, the, the idea that, um, you, you know, you could launch a series of factor or smart beta, as you asked about earlier, that was cutting edge. So I can't predict what the future holds, you know, what's the next next. Um, but I will say active management the, has been talked about, you know, for more than a decade. And starting in 2019, we began to see it adopted. And so that's the exciting part is managers like Capital Group entering the market. They've done a very nice job in bringing innovation to the market. Organizations like JP Morgan surpassing 100 billion in assets. Almost half their book is actively managed, right? So I, I think the exciting part is you've got large global at the core active managers coming to market and they're committed to the ETF market, just like Morgan Stanley Investment Management and all the brands uh, we talked about, I think that's the exciting part. So rather than, you know, try and put my finger on, you know, what's next, you know, even, you know, digital investing, um, right? That's ebbed and flowed and I'm not predicting that it's going to continue to grow, uh, but those are areas we know, you know, investors uh, have looked at. So that, you know, to me, the exciting part isn't, you know, exactly which product, it's actually who is developing these products. And, and we're certainly excited in, in the concept of bringing the best of Morgan Stanley investment management here in the U.S., in Europe, around the world uh, as active managers in an ETF wrapper. I think that's the real exciting part. That's brilliant. And yeah, I think that's a great place to, to end this, this podcast. So thank you so much for your time, Anthony, and I'll see you soon.